everyone. I'm Ryan Boyd. My name is Sam Bernardo. And we're here with FADCAST number three. Once again, we've made it past uh, two interviews. <laughs> well, yes. First first time making it past two interviews. But <laughs> the once only again, time making it past yeah, two interviews. So we've this, made it to the third. Maybe the first and last, or, or the last. Anyway. There you go. There you go. So um, today, we've got your personal friend yep. and DVM. Uh, what's that? Doctor of Veterinary Medicine? Or DMV. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor of Veterinary Medicine. So veterinarian. Um, Mark Williams yes. is coming on the podcast. What's uh, Mark going to talk about today? Um, he's going to talk about, well, it's summertime. So he's going to uh, touch on... Um, well, Birds we'll and the bees? Yeah, well, kind of, yeah. He's going to touch on uh, flea season coming up. And Fleas. then he's going to talk about... We have complaints all the time from, not complaints, but comments from people because we're a fundraising organization for people who... Because uh, we require a veterinarian's diagnosis and treatment plan, cost of treatment, and before we'll list your animal. And we get people complaining that they can't get an appointment. All right. What's going on? And so Mark's going to shed some light on that. All right. So he's going to talk about fleas, fleas prevention, flea prevention, and um, talk about what's going on in the world of getting a vet appointment. You know, and this mm-hmm. is Ryan, uh, yes. the Friday before Memorial Day, so yes. which is the beginning of summer. Yes. Which I thought was a good time to bring up fleas, yes. And and people are considering, you know, their bathing suit attire for the summer season. Yes. And I'm assuming you're you're anticipating the same. You're getting into summer body. What does this sw- have to do with fleas? Swimwear. Nothing. It's just a segue as to okay. why we're talking about fleas. <laughs> because okay, so um, <laughs> summertime. Summertime. But that is true. Yes. The the flea activity definitely picks up in the spring and summer. And so we'll talk to Mark about that. And as far as we're concerned, um, you, as you said, Memorial Day, uh, I just drove over here to the FAD office in Sierra Madre. A lot of traffic out there on the road. Um, uh, the the side roads too. Just I guess people get off early maybe on a Friday because we're I recording this in the Friday early afternoon. It's a, it's a three day weekend. So Something. Yeah. yeah. There was just there was traffic coming up into Sierra Madre. Lots of cars. Uh, supposedly gas prices are high, but uh, doesn't seem to have stopped anybody from getting in their car and driving around for uh, God's sake. So uh, lots and, of traffic. And, and I and I think mm-hmm. this Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, tomorrow. Yes. As uh, we're recording this, not when you're hearing it. Yes. Um, there will be the uh, Mount Wilson trail hike, trail race. Actually, not hike, but trail race. I think it's tomorrow. That's a thing in Sierra Madre where they go running up the trail. Yeah, it's what is it? the mountains about five thousand feet, about, about about a mile. Again, yeah, I think so. But it's very popular. I mean, there there are yeah, a lot yeah, of. Yeah. Um, no, I saw know, the, the street, signs driving yeah, in as the, I was the stuck streets behind Streets are cars. blocked off, and it, and it's a big deal. There you go. All right, and um, speaking of Sierra Madre, uh, we have our spay and neuter clinic on most Sundays down the street in the city of Arcadia, but we're not doing it this weekend uh, because of the Memorial day, but we'll be back on June 5th and uh, every Sunday in June thereafter. That's right. And today is Friday. It's uh, we call it $5 Friday when we solicit $5 donations online through our social media, like Instagram and Facebook. And hopefully, you know what I'm thinking, Sam, we probably need to do this podcast on say Wednesday or Thursday. So it comes out on Friday. So people can hear the $5 Friday um, announcement because we're recording this on Friday. Once again, everybody, but you're probably not hearing it until uh, a few days after that. Cause it takes us a little while to do it, but anyway, to edit and stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Cause you, you can tell the fabulous uh, production values <laughs> that, uh, 
that go into it. But um, yeah, yeah. And then um, Sam and I have been talking about, we saw an interesting project called the Cat product. Nabber. Product. Not product. Did yeah. I say project? Yeah. A, well, I guess it was a project and then became a product. The Cat yeah. Nabber. It's sort of like a, um, uh, what would you call it, Sam? A net for cats, but it's you like know, a double-sided it, it, net. It's sort of like a, a bellows kind of thing. A bellows. In, in that's reverse. what it's like. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's, it's like this net thing to grab cats. And we're thinking about getting one for um, the spay and neuter bus because every once in a while a cat gets loose and runs and, and around it, the bus. And it's, and it's always post uh, anesthetic. The anesthesia is wearing off and they're sort of disoriented and aggressive and crazy. And yeah. this is a, a safe way to recapture them, if you will. Yeah. It's like a pair. Imagine a pair of scissors, obviously bigger, but instead of blades, you know, at the end, there were two nets. And so you kind of net trap the cat it's called the cat nabber n-a-b-b-e-r and surprisingly expensive 135 dollars yeah, but, but it's um, a cool thing i mean yeah. the, the video was uh, of course this guy's been practicing so yeah i'm sure it's more yeah, difficult yeah the video the guy uses yeah. well and you can tell the cat's really mellow like he lets the cat out in the cage <laughs> yeah, and the yeah, cat the just walks around yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. it's like it's fun clever clever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 The, your cat uh your cat results may may vary that's <laughs> yeah, right yeah all right well you know what I think. Well, hold on, let me tell you what's oh, happened to me. To, what, what's new? What's new this week? What's new with Sam? All right. um, and this, it's just observations. And um, mm. I live in Sierra Madre, and, and our clinic is in Arcadia, which is literally a ten-minute drive. And in that ten-minute drive, within the last three days, I've seen a bear in the middle of the day, mm. a brown bear, and a coyote. Well, so I asked you if anything interesting happened. You didn't tell me about the bear. Well, I, I just thought about that. The coyotes. I, are not pretty common, uncommon, yeah, but, but I yeah, saw one negative. like literally an hour ago. A bear? No, no, a coyote. coyote. But the bear was like two days ago, and it it, it, it was it. Where was the bear? Because you uh, actually on on uh, what is that? Foothill on Foothill, going down, going towards Arcadia. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yes, so he yeah. was down quite a bit from the mountain, because your house is not necessarily right up on the mountainside, and then going towards our clinic, you're going further and further away from the mountain, which is where the bears supposedly are. So. He'd wandered quite far down into he, town. He had, and, and went into someone's driveway, actually, across the street, went mm -hmm. into the driveway. And I pulled up my phone and turned around, and the fellow in front of me, or the woman in front of me, did the same thing, and which was pretty cool because she, I followed her to the driveway, and we and I could see that she was on the phone, and I was on the phone, and uh, 911 answered and said, we've already, we've already got the owner of the, of the house on the phone. We're talking to him. Mm. So to alert them that you know, be careful. There's a bear in your yard. See what you're saying is you could barely believe it. I was. It was unbearable that. Mm. Yes. All right. So I think hey, that's hey, a, boo boo. Yeah, I think that's a good note to uh, go to our interview with Mr. Mark Williams, Doctor of Veterinary Medicine. Anyway, we'll let him introduce himself. So let's give him a call right now. Okay. Okay, we're here with Mark Williams. Say hi, Sam. Hi, Sam. Hey, now. All right. Old joke. Yeah. Hello, Mark. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. And Mark, why don't you uh, take a brief moment to inter introduce yourself? Um, you're one of the founders of Tesla. <laughs> That's right. And Johnson & Johnson bears my name as well. Yeah, okay. There we and go. I'm told you're a co-inventor of fire. Yeah. Well... No, that that in and woolen underwear—it's it's all me. <laughs> you know, uh, I, Mark Williams, Renaissance man. There you go. There I, we go. I heard a, a show once where this woman talked about she had like a crazy uncle or something that used to make bizarre claims, and like he claimed that he invented the exclamation point. 
you know, <laughs> yeah. But but anyway, um, very exciting before that. Yeah. Hey, zing. So, uh, but seriously, Mark, why don't you introduce yourself? Um, you're obviously a doctor of veterinary medicine. I, I am Dr. Mark Williams. Yes. I am a former owner and current medical director of Sweetwater Veterinary Clinic, which is in the cute little uh, rural suburb of Aguadulce, California, north of Los Angeles. Um, it's a mixed practice, which means we work on both dogs and cats, as well as horses and farm animals. Um, we are one of the few um, mixed practices still in existence in Southern California. And that means by saying there's few, and I just, I honestly don't know this, um, most people have now decided to be one or the other? Correct. It's okay. usually strictly dogs and cats or exotics or large animal. I see. Okay. Okay. So there are large animal doctors out there. It's just that they're usually not mixed. That's the, the distinction. Right. Got they it. usually don't do any dogs and cats in, no. in between all their other fun um, farm animal and horse stuff. That's and, right. and Mark actually practice, practices what he preaches. He has uh, dogs at his home as well as horses. Oh, you have horses? Yes. We have three. We have three horses at home that seem to eat or defecate constantly. <laughs> right. And but, you know, one begets the other. Right. The horses are. <laughs> it's it's like a conveyor belt. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Um, and do you have How any you other know? large animals besides horses? You don't have a farm going on uh, out there, do you? No, no. We just have we have a, a bunch of standard poodles and a couple of cats and three horses. There you and go. And by the way, his standard poodles, if I may, I add, uh, are. Uh, Show show winners or whatever oh, really? what do you call they them? Show they, show dogs. Yeah, they're winners. My wife is grand on champions. Tenth, is on our tenth generation of champions. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's wow. that's pretty impressive, actually. There you go. Yeah. Do do, do um, uh, how much does a tenth generation of champion poodle puppy go for? Um, in in my economic opinion, not enough. <laughs> my wife does. My wife does it out of love. She doesn't do it out of free. No, I'm just so curious. I'm just curious. Like the the you um, know. I think her her dogs could sell for three to four thousand dollars. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, that's uh, I mean it. You know, I hear of people paying that much sometimes for 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 dogs. You know, in in silly ways from oh, Craigslist the, or something. The, you know. the doodles are a perfect example. It's, there you go. Yeah. It's amazing what. Uh, but social media and, uh, and and things will do. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I always thought the the value comes from the AKC registration and then the ability to breed them. And you know, you they go to a show and they do very well. And so that's obviously a distinctive uh, version of that breed. That you know. And so yeah, yeah. But yeah, you just have people on Craigslist selling like cute golden doodle, and it's like, what's a golden doodle? I mean, you know, it's not. Right. Yeah. Anyway. So uh, enough about that. Well, so, take so. take it to a if you agree, let me introduce you to the French bulldog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, uh, so, it, so Mark, today what, is is it, uh, in France they call the French bulldog le what is it le mac royale or what? Remember from yeah, Pulp from Fiction? Pulp yeah. Fiction. I, yeah. I whiff that joke. Yeah. All right. Yes, so do. let's get down to what the listeners are here for, which is um, uh, help. Yes, interesting topics about vet care from somebody who actually knows what they're talking about as opposed to us, uh, us being Sam and, and Ryan. So um, I heard you were going to talk about fleas today, Mark. Okay, sure. We can we can sure have a brief discussion of fleas. They will yeah. interact with ticks too, just because yeah. in some of the more dry areas, ticks can be a problem as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Tick is perhaps more, more serious. So let's start. I think the quick thing is, People want to know how do I prevent 
fleas and ticks on my dog. Before we get there, let me ask this question. Mm -hmm. Is there a flea season, Mark? Well, there you go. That's a good intro. Or or is this year-round? It's it's probably depends where you live. Yeah, I think in the areas closer to the ocean and to, um, you know, more of the temperate areas, I think it's year-round. I think up in the more, in the higher elevations, it definitely is seasonal. I think the winter, they go into hibernation and, and cause more havoc and mayhem in the late spring, summer, early fall. Which leads us leads us to today because it's summer, you know, more around the corner. Beginning of summer, yeah. so this is why we're having this conversation. So, tell me oh, more yeah. about this. Is this is flea high season? That's for sure. Okay. Okay. So flea season, um, I haven't been preventing fleas on my dogs, or I have been, and it's not going well. I come into Mark Williams and I say, you know, Fluffy here's got fleas. You can see the flea debris, which is the little like black dots all over the dog and whatever. What does Mark? suggest as a well i mean as far as as fleas and to some degree the ticks Mm. you kind of have to look at it from threefold Mm. one is the um the outside environment where the dogs interact two is the inside environment where the dogs interact and three the dog itself um outside environment even in fairly dry areas of southern california if the people have fairly heavy landscape or have a lot of underbrush or a lot of debris under the bushes and things like that, fleas and kick ticks are perfectly happy hanging out there because it remains fairly moisture, moist even in the drier parts. So you have to definitely do some yard maintenance if need be, and also consider possibly some premise spraying, either uh, do it yourself or have a professional come in and do it to rid those areas. Inside, um, fleas and, and, and to some degree ticks can hide in, you know, dark, um, especially dark moist areas like uh, cracks in the wall or down um, in the borders of the house or things like that. So, you know, looking at controlling the fleas and their offspring in those areas is a good idea. Uh, on the animal per- itself, um, you're looking at um, just a control, not only um, eliminating the fleas and, and the ticks from the dog at that point, but also, or in cats too, because cats also suffer from fleas. Um, not looking at just killing the, the, the resident little boogers that are on them, but also control for the future. So looking at some of the long-term products rather than just the spray, the basic sprays, um, the topical applications that last from one to three months, just be able to eliminate um, several parts of their lifestyle to try and eliminate the problem. Okay. So I, um, to get it down to more specifics for maybe some of the listeners, um, I always use, uh, I'm going to say it wrong. Is it Brevetco or Brevecto? Brevecto? T-O. Yeah. T-O. Yeah, Brevecto, which in dogs is a chew and it lasts, so, you know, they eat it and it lasts three months. What do you think about right. that particular product? I mean, I like that product. Um, okay. Have recommended to clients. I think um, some of the lighter-haired dogs with the topical applications, they do get a little bit of a skin reaction that can be a little bit of a problem. Um, right. I had. I, it seems like it's. Yeah. I, I, sorry to interrupt. I. That's when one of the things that made us go to Brevecto. I had. It wasn't mm-hmm. a lighter-skinned dog, but it was a little poodle-type dog. Well, I guess he was lighter-skinned, a uh, uh, brown fur. But anyway. Um, Every time we did that topical one, which you put on the back of the neck, mm-hmm. he would it, get a little like a light rash and rub around on it and just didn't like it. And uh, the Brevetco has has worked. And also, I, I just like the fact that it's three months, you know, because those topicals are right. u- usually four four weeks. So 
Yeah, I don't think there's a topical that lasts longer than four weeks. Now, how did these medications work? Because they're, unlike sprays and things like that, these are obviously doing it from inside the dog, if I can go layman style, right? right? (laughs) I mean, it's not something on the dog that repels the flea, right? Well, it's it, the chemical does transmit to the bottle, body and kind of resides in the uh, the underlayer of the skin, the parenchyma. Okay. And basically, when the animals, um, and my understanding is, when the animals bite the the dog, they will ingest some of this chemical, trying to get a blood meal, and as a result, um, will be um, you know eliminated from there. Okay, and that gets me to this one because I've heard this from people, and. Th- that even though the dog is on Brevetco flea and tick, they may find a tick on the dog, but the tick is dead. And so what's happened is the tick has bitten the dog and ingested a little bit of the blood and gotten that chemical in it and died. Right. Am I correct? Right. The, the proverbial kiss of death. Sure. Right. 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 <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. And um, does that mean if you're really worried about ticks that you sh- should do something more than just use the Brevetco because they still could get a tick bite? Or do you think the Brevetco uh, is enough in the tick prevention area? You see what I'm saying? I mean, I think doing the other things, Ryan, as far as the internal environment, and the external environment mm-hmm. are still good because um, ticks can be very resistant to drying and things like that. So they can right. reside in the environment a lot. And and, and they get on people too. We don't want them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They'll give you a nasty bite too. Um, but if you have chickens or rabbits or ducks or any, any kind of animals outside, the, uh, the ticks can reside in their litter and their waste and, and be a, an ongoing thing. So I think controlling in that environment as well is a good idea. Okay. And I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit once more, forgive me, <laughs> but, um, Going to the inside, because I, I think a number of our listeners probably live in an urban house or apartment mm-hmm. setting. Um, so I I understood what you said about like the dark spaces, cracks, corners, molding. Um, how do you treat those areas? What do you do? Are you talking about like getting a spray or vacuuming or like what's the give us some specific tips for inside flea and tick maintenance? Yeah, there's, I mean, professional companies will come in and do spot application as well as that's true. just kind of a general um, insecticide spray. You can buy over-the-counter um, permectrin uh, vaporizers or things like that that you can, you know, let off in the house and the vapor will pursue all those little nooks and crannies um, as well as, you know, good, sensible washing of bedding or washing of rugs that the animals hang out in or uh, towels or things like that, that might retain the bugs for a period of time. So I remember you can do, you once told me, and I thought this was a good tip for everybody. So I'm going to repeat it in in case I've got it wrong or, or you can add or correct said, um, don't just wash your dog's bedding or towel that they sleep on vacuum it first to kind of shake it loose and get the stuff out of it, then wash it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think people sometimes don't think about that. You know, you go and grab the dog bed, throw it in the, the washer or dryer, but you were, you had mentioned to me that, that, you know, that vacuuming beforehand, maybe with a vacuum tool can really, uh, uh, improve the results uh, over just washing it. 
Yeah, and just kind of a two-stage process. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, it, it can seem obvious, but I think a lot of people, you just don't think about stuff like that. I mean, I hadn't. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I just throw the dog bed in the washer. I don't vacuum it beforehand because, you know, it seems like sort of redundant. But, yeah, you got those le- loose eggs because the eggs can survive the washing and drying process, right? Yeah, especially because the big push now is to use cold water, um, and they definitely can survive a cold water water cycle. Oh, so hot water maybe is a little more um, murderous on the flea. Yeah, and and in making sure you're using um, um, adequate as far as strength uh, soap. Okay, okay. Detergent S- soap is good. Okay, okay. The detergent actually has an effect. All right, fantastic. And because yeah, it's a surfactant. Okay, a surfactant. Sam, explain what a surfactant is. Because Mark, you may not know this, but Sam claims to have been a chemist. <laughs> There's no That's proof of it. A, a, yeah. surfactant, a, a, a surfactant is a surface active agent that actually causes water to become wet, spread out. And how would it kill a flea, Sam? Um, I don't know how it would kill a flea. I know that the detergent, if it, 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 and all detergents have surfactants in them, mm. or com- comprised of surfactants, just allows the detergent to spread evenly or effectively throughout the wash. Okay. Okay. You know, secondarily, change the the pH environment of the surface of the egg or the adult bug. Ah, okay. So, so yeah, make it more acidic or basic, and that that they have mm-hmm. a range that they can tolerate, and it will kill them. Okay. So, um, cleaning up debris outside. Now, if, of course, if you live in an apartment, that's probably up on to the maintenance man. But um, staying out of those loose the dead foliage and all of that under trees and stuff like that. Um, keeping the house clean and dry. Uh, Brevect Co. Um, any other types that you recommend? You're okay with the, the topical ones that go on the back, just the only issue is the rash, or do you think they're not as effective? I mean, they're not as effective as far as time span. Mm. Um, so people have to be more vigilant as far as doing them on a regular basis. Right, don't forget, um, yeah. I think they they use properly. They can be very effective, and okay. they're a very similar product. Okay, um, it's just uh, they they don't they aren't as strong because of the possible reaction. I see. Some some people prefer one or another for whatever reason. So you would say either you know if you have a preference for one or the other, you're fine as long as one or the other. Now, what about these yeah. over the counter items, the powders, the sprays for the dog or the cat? or the flea collar, the over-the-counter stuff. What do you think about those products? I think they have their place, Ryan. I think the, the concern is strength. They're mm-hmm. not as strong because they they have to go through additional testing for that. I think um, the collars are a perfect example. Um, the collars to be strong enough to affect the entire dog would have to be strong enough to cause a reaction where they're being worn. So concern there because as you, as most people know that have a flea problem, one place that fleas love to hang out is back by the base of the, the tail. genitalia. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the booty. Because it's moist and things like that. And the collar's at the other end. So right. there's like a big demilitarized zone between the two. <laughs> right. Um, right, right. I think the powders are, um, you know, once again, the strength of them, I think for puppies and things like that, the powders are definitely an option because puppies before a certain age, you cannot use the adult um, products. Right. But I think they are they're very transient because uh, they are easy to be removed from the skin just by regular activity. 
Okay. Okay. I got you. So yeah, while they're on the dog, they may be effective, but your dog shakes them off, runs around and yeah. a and day you later, you even thoroughly apply right. them down into the skin. Right. Then once again, there's that DMZ between where the fleas are down on the skin level. And then the powders up in the outer parts of the hair. Now, this will maybe, at least for me, be my, my last sort of topic on this. Um, because you made me think of it there. You said, you know, you can't give the Brevetco type products to puppies. And that's right. I've read that on the label. The dog has to be a certain age. I don't know what the age is, uh, six months, a year. Typically eight, eight to 12 weeks. Eight to 12 weeks. Um, but there are, there is a, a good portion of people that are either against it or are worried about using, you know, so-called chemicals on their dog. They're worried about these pharmaceutical products like Brevetco, the topicals, it goes into the bloodstream. And why... Maybe, maybe their dogs could wear a mask. Yeah. Well, and so one of the things people will say is, if puppies can't tolerate it, why can an adult dog tolerate it? So I don't know if you could give some sort of layman's explanation or simplified explanation sure. for why that is. Yeah, there's two reasons. Basically, one is puppies' systems have are more sensitive because they're they've just arrived on the planet, mm. and so their their organs are more sensitive and not able to uh, filter and um, and circulate chemicals like older dogs are. Two, in a lot of cases, because of the strength of the product, it has to be tested on different ages of animals. And most companies won't um, spend the time and energy to test it on fairly young animals because um, they realize it's a transient product at best for that age. They're more concerned about animals older than 8 to 12 weeks um, and, and mm. up. Yeah, it's a small market. I mean, right. I mean, every dog is young, but they're only young for a short amount of time. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and, yeah. and puppies are typically much more controlled in their activity than adult dogs. They don't. Typically, people won't let them go hang out in the bushes or mm, go to dog parks or things like that. So they just don't have the same kind of exposure. Now, should a nursing mother not be on Brevetco or one of those topicals? I think most of the products aren't certified for pregnant animals. But okay. I think they are, um, I, as far as I know, Brevetco is okay for nursing okay. mothers. But a lot of people don't want to do it just because they possibly could get a little bit of loose stools just with all the stress they're under. So they might mm. take a break when they're nursing for the first month and then reinstitute okay. it after that. Okay. Okay. So, um, there we go. Uh, sort of a summary, those over the counter products might be more suitable for the puppies and or the nursing moms and, um, and a good explanation of, of why. And then, uh, as the final segue on that, the last point, if there is somebody out there that's just like, look, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to give my dog Brevetco or, or whatever it is, next guard or, or one of those, um, any particular quote unquote holistic or natural remedies that are more effective than others in your opinion, or is that all just, uh, um, hopium as they say, just, you know, <laughs> not, not true. Like, I mean, people will use diatomaceous earth. Right. Um, either as a powder or in in more moist environments. I have used um, that with bed bugs in an apartment building I had, and um, I yeah. can tell you it was effective. Yeah. Yeah, it just basically kind of suffocates them because it's such such fine granules. Right. Just don't breathe a lot of the stuff. I mean, I don't know how um, how do you use it on a dog? You 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 rub it in the fur as a powder. Okay. Okay. Yeah, as a powder. Yeah. 
right. um, people will use vinegar baths, which is just really fun to live with a dog for the next week after that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, because oh, yeah. of the smell. I assume. Or, yeah, you should add oil to it and just have a salad. Yeah, right. Yeah, I had one entertaining client that her, her regular flea bath for her dogs was orange juice. Okay, which I would, probably was a very pleasant smell afterwards. Sounds but expensive. It's the acid situation. Yeah. Um, yeah, the vinegar, but vinegar and acid. So I guess it would, it's, it would kill the fleas, but I mean, it would yeah, wear off. The, yeah. The pH on it's, their yeah, surface. It's acidic. Yeah. 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 But that's a little bit, I mean, you could just give them a bath maybe, but I guess it's a little more effective. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. I guess that's the thing too. There are some, some people will say, um, Oh, what's the green stuff that smells so pleasant? There, there are some organic or natural shampoos that people advocate using on a regular basis. Okay. You just, um, you know, you just if you're if you're not bathing them every couple of weeks, you're probably not interrupting the flea cycle. And if right. you're bathing them more often, you're probably hurting the haircut. Right, right, and skin irritation. I'd have to do a good fine line there. I'd, I'd have a little concern about the vinegar bath. I mean, I don't know what the pH of vinegar is. It's got to be what four or something like that. It depends on the dilution, but yeah, yeah. yeah. But, and so you yeah. just it, people, it could, people will dilute it to some degree. Yeah, it could cause some skin irritation. I would think so. Yeah. And plus, right. your dog. And not only that, like, it smells like crap. Easter eggs is what right. I always think of. Yeah, because you used to use well, them for the color. Well, you guys know that yeah. you know homeopathics are not a a license to uh, not have any counter effects because a lot of homeopathic products can be buried, um, have some other significant side effects. That's right. I, I think, um, is tea tree oil particularly bad yeah, for dogs? That's what I was thinking about tea tree oil. Yeah. Is, is that okay for dogs or is, cause there's some, there's some, one of them that, uh, or maybe it's rosemary or eucalyptus. I'm trying to think anyway. Um, but okay. I think we've got a, yeah. a pretty clear drill is definitely a product. Yeah. You're right. Well, I was thinking there's one that's actually poisonous to dogs. Um, that is sometimes used in those, um, uh, air fresheners. Uh, there's, there's, yeah. um, one of those essential oils that's not good for dogs, but, but anyway, today's topic is fleas. Oh. We'll bring you back on for, um, the various oils and creams to not give your dog on a, on another episode. So, um, Mark's time is limited, and we're going to end our flea segment and move to our why the hell can't I get an appointment for three weeks at your gosh darn vet clinic? <laughs> you know, Mark, probably it's not the case at my gosh darn vet clinic. There we go. I, I hear those stories all the time. Yeah. So you guys are doing okay as far as appointments go. You, you've uh, people. I mean, we are a, really busy, and yes. we're over. We're overflexed as far as because of personnel. Uh-huh. But we are we're trying our best to see the appointments as quick as we can. And Large again, animal is is a more severe concern in my particular area just because of the lack of veterinary personnel. But small animal, we are we're doing a fairly good job. Okay, okay, um, modest. Um, so and that's Sweetwater Vet Clinic out in uh, Agua Dulce, which is if you don't know where Agua Dulce is, basically think Santa Clarita, the five and the fourteen. Um, out by right, a hang a right and go 10 yeah. miles up in the hills. There you go. Vasquez <laughs> rocks. If you happen to know where that is, there's a wrist, uh, uh, excuse the pun as stones throw away from his clinic. But, um, right. generally speaking, as you know, and you said also with the large animal, you are having some issue. Um, it is difficult to get in. And like Sam, you went to an ER clinic the other day no, and yeah, they I, were closed um, or they weren't taking anybody new no, in. No, or well, Mark actually treated Bob eventually, but, mm. but Bob, Bob is a dog of mine and he you was see, sick. Mark Williams, Bob endorsed. Yes. Right. Yes. Bob approved. Um, Bob certified. He's, and and, and he's so. A yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, so Bob had this uh, stomach in inflammation and, and was having a tough time sleeping and doing a whole bunch of other things. And so yeah, here it is, 12.30. It's always 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning when these things occur. And I go to uh, the only ER clinic that I know that's close to me, and they tell me they're full. Um, you know, we're taking, we're not taking any more animals this evening. And, and we and, could take that as a one-off. They happen to be particularly busy, but we're hearing that all the time. Yeah. yeah. And, and so they, yeah, they typically after eight o'clock at night. Yeah. And they directed me somewhere else and I went and they had an open door, but it just, you know, that's something that I went through personally. And I'm, I, I'm thinking your emergency clinic, what the heck? I mean, how can you be closed? Mm. You know, that's your job is to be open. Um, right. well, they were full, I guess yeah. is the point. Yeah. So, um, yeah. What's going on, Mark? Why are we having a hard time making appointments, a shortage, because we're hearing that from people, you know, I called to get whatever and I can't get in for six weeks or eight weeks. Right. Right. And, and, and to, right. the, to the point, it, 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 we're in the fundraising business and we need the uh, owner to provide us with a veterinarian's diagnosis and care, uh, cost of care. Mm -hmm. And if they can't do that, we can't help fundraise. All right. So tell us, spill the tea. I mean, I, I think it's multiple. There's multi reasons, multiple reasons. Sam and I have talked at length about these. Uh -huh. um, I think one, um, there have been a lot of veterinarians retiring um, for a variety of reasons. I think um, while there are a significant number of veterinarians graduating from veterinary school, they're either choosing choosing to go to um, a more of a specialty practice or specialty training rather than getting out in, in uh, general practice, or they are, are choosing not to work full-time for a variety of reasons. Um, I think the kind of people that are becoming veterinarians now are more concerned about life balance, so they do not want to work 80-hour weeks like some of their predecessors. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I think it all, and then I think the staffing situation is the same as so many other places right now. It is really difficult to find new staff, let alone qualified new staff to help with the workload. Okay. And I think all those things um, kind of contribute to, um, you know, the, the lack of availability. So there's a, basically the same thing that we've said before. I mean, to boil it down, there's a shortage of doctors or there's the same number of doctors, but working less hours, whatever, it comes down to the same thing. There's less doctor hours available. And there's also right. a shortage of staff that's just going across the whole economy. It's hard to find a waiter or um, whoever, you know, uh, uh, as far as that goes. Um, what would you say? What can we do about it? Probably in the short term, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the short term is tough. Yeah, of course. I, yeah. I have been looking for new associates for two years without success. Well, and how um, long does it take to become an RVT, which is sort of the um, veterinary's world version um, of a nurse? Yeah, typically sort of like two years. Two years. Two okay. years. Yeah. And they are there is a desperate shortage of RVTs just um, for a variety of reasons. Registered vet technicians. Oh, and um, right. there's a shortage – is, and, and just to be specific, the RVT, once they complete the two-year program, then they've got to take the test. They got to end And pass, the test yeah. is not always given uh, every day. I don't know what it is, once every quarter. Now, is there a special school? How do you become an RVT? Because uh, a veterinarian obviously goes to uh, uh, university, goes to vet school, um, which right. is like medical school, right? Uh, you know, it's, a, it's right. this extensive program after your first four years of, of university. What's... Where does an RVT typically get their um, training? 
um, the two principal ways to do it are one, either a, a brick and mortar school. Mm -hmm. um, there are several in Southern California or more and more people who are working at the same time choose to do the online program where they, they take their classes and instruction online and then they have to supplement that with some practical experience offered by their employer or by uh, different resources to satisfy the, um, the hands-on uh, portion of the schooling. I see. Okay. So it is possible to get an RVT um, or to qualify for the exam uh, online as long yes. as, but you need to be working in the field. You don't necessarily be working in the field, but you mm -hmm. have to have some contacts to be able to do the okay. practical aspect of it. I see. Okay. So there is some, okay. Okay. I got you. And it, like, what's a school? I mean, do you go to UCLA to become an RVT or are they like private schools? Like, um, you know, those vocational training? Come, well, the three places that come to mind to me is one is Pierce College in the West San Fernando Valley. Okay. That's a community uh, college. College in Pasadena. Uh -huh. okay. And then Mount San Antonio College out in Pomona. Mount Sac? Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Platt is private, whereas Mount San Antonio and Pierce are public okay. junior colleges. Okay. Okay. So that explains that. All right. And there are a couple in Orange County that are, they're all community college esque yeah. okay. kind of places. Okay. I was just curious. Well, yeah. I mean, speaking to like one way you could maybe get more people in the field is by having more flexible options like online, you know, which they have. Obviously, you're not going to have an online program for, um, to become a veterinarian. Um, I mean, uh, you might have some classes online, but that's a, a whole a whole different thing. How long does it take to become a vet? I mean, you have to graduate. What's the typical undergraduate degree that somebody entering veterinary medicine would get? Like a doctor, they often I mean, go not, with biology. Not everybody gets a degree, but there, are, I believe there are typically about 20 um, prerequisite courses you have okay. to take. And so that typically will take three years. Mm -hmm. three, so three to four years of undergraduate and then three to four years of veterinary professional school, depending on their school scheduling. Okay. Okay. And some of the schools go year round. So they are, oh, they great. finish quicker, but most of the schools have a summer break. So it's typically a four year program. I see. And yeah. And Sam was telling me, and uh, you just mentioned it, like talking about the work-life balance and all of that and how that's become more of a, a point and that it's not even um, just that, the old refrain that, oh, you know, kids today don't want to work as much as before, but that they actually teach this in school now, the the sort of take care of yourself aspect of uh, the career. So, right. Right. So people are being taught like, I mean, you know, don't work these 80 hour weeks or take care of yourself because I, I didn't know this. Sam told me that um, one of the highest suicide rates uh, of any profession is veterinarians. Is that true? Yeah, especially recently. Really? And, and why do you think that is, in your own opinion? Or do you have an opinion? It's, a, it's the nth degree of compassion burnout. Okay. 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 Yeah. yeah it's yeah. just frustration as far as because you can only control so much of the uh, of the outcome, et cetera. And some people right. take it very personally and very severely, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, right, it, right. It's a it's a tough, tough job, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, of course. Because, yes, you, you can't... Um, control the uh, animal's environment when somebody comes in and all of that stuff. I see. All right. 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 Well, can I ask a question? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, just out of curiosity, is the California veterinary board, have they addressed this shortage of veterinarians and RVTs? Is there, is there something? Well, as we're talking, I was trying to think like, how would they, like, what would you do? I, I don't know. Are you aware of that, Mark? You know, the, the, the commentators say there should be more schools or, 
there should be bigger classes. And, and unfortunately, opening a new school or, or making bigger classes costs a tremendous amount of money. And I think the, the legislative fortitude for that is not very high. I right. think, you know, to get on my soapbox a minute, so don't. That's uh, why we brought um, you here. Yeah, nobody, nobody get mad at me out there. So um, his email I, is I, Mark I, Williams <laughs> at go ahead yeah, right. soapbox.com. What What's your phone? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry, my, sorry. My home phone number and my home address if you want to camp out. <laughs> no, my I have a strong opinion that I think the schools in desperation to get qualified applicants have skewed a little bit away from more of a practical minded person to a more, you know, academic or, um, you know, that, that kind of direction. And I think a lot of people get out and say, wow, a lot of this hard physical work, a lot of it is not as exciting as I was hoping it would be. So I think the burnout can handle pretty quick and and gone are the ranch kids and the farm kids and the rural kids that used to be the backbone of the profession. And, you know, grew up with hard work, grew up with physically demanding work, grew up with repetitious work. So it was um, it was much more varied than they had grown up with, whereas kids now, city kids and things like that, haven't been exposed to a lot of that. And I think their enthusiasm for the for the for the profession is not very great. Right. And I could imagine, I mean, especially you're doing large animals. uh, my understanding is that large animal vets, I mean, you go to the animal. People don't bring their horse to the clinic. You drive out to the horse, typically. Yeah, the specialty hospitals, the people bring their animals to, but typically still in California, um, it's an ambulatory situation, whereas you take your supplies and your equipment to the animal. Yeah, right. And especially, I would assume, with farm animals, even even more so or, or whatever. And there's right. probably, yeah, that's certainly a very, I would assume, physical job, right? Dealing with cows giving birth and, and whatever it is. Yeah, you're dealing with thousand pound barbells. So it yeah. just, there's a lot of physical. And I think, you know, to get on my soapbox again, I yeah. think um, the profession should do a much better job at attracting minorities from early on as far as, um you know, this, this is a career can, career can be very satisfying and you can make a good living at it because I think, um, especially in Southern California, I think the Hispanic clients are vastly underserved by veterinary medicine um, because the kids either can't, won't, or don't want to um, apply themselves to that kind of academic rigors. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, I had this just off the top of my head, I'd have to think about it more, but I, I do think most veterinarians are some version of a white person, you know, whether they're, um, you know, they actually, might, actually most are women. Yeah. Or, you know, they may be from, they may not, they may be a U.S. immigrant, but they're that or Asian, but I, I haven't seen that many black or Hispanic veterinarians. I have seen a few, but right. yeah, certainly not commensurate yeah, to the become, population. It's become more diverse, but it's been very slow and it's not really followed population trends. Yeah. So there you go, kids. There's a, a good job for you. Um, you know, and RVTs, RVTs now are starting to make money. I mean, that that's a pretty well-paying job, right? Yeah. Well, they're having, they're having to, and that, that would be my only concern looking far from a lot more schools is, you know, chronically veterinarians and veterinary staff has been underpaid right and now. People are having to bite the bullet and pay them better. So I'm afraid if the vast numbers increased, not only would the quality of the veterinarians be a little bit of concern, but I think the economic demands would be uh, um, a, a concern as well. Right. Right. And, right. and of course, if employment costs more then the cost of veterinary care will cost more. 
Well, yeah, one would assume right. that woman assume. And I, yeah. and I think that's another thing that clients are, are having a hard time addressing is the cost of veterinary care because, um, everything is getting more expensive as, as we all know, and everybody out there knows. And, and I also think with, especially with social media, the demand for more specialized care has grown. And, and unfortunately that specialized care can be very costly. Yeah. I, I would imagine, I, I didn't mention it back when you said that, but I would imagine it's sort of the similar to what's going on with um, the medical profession with, with, with humans. I mean, that's been something they've talked about. I mean, remember they're talking about that when I was in college, about how right. nobody wants to be a general practitioner. They all want to go into some form of specialty care because it pays more. Right. Right. And yes, you're right. If I go to the local clinic here, it's somewhere between 35 and $65 to have an appointment, but any specialist it's 180 bucks, 215 bucks, you know, right there. And right. then obviously, and, uh, there's a specialist right down the street. I remember <laughs> bringing a dog in. I won't say where it was or anything. Cause I, I this isn't a gotcha moment. I just, it amused me. I was like, I, I hope this isn't going to be too expensive. And as I pull, uh, pull in, um, there's a Tesla parked in, and there's a sign that says, um, uh, doctor's parking. And it's one of those Tesla, the, the van ones, you know, those are like 150 grand, 200 grand. SUV. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this is going to be pricey, <laughs> you know, cause, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, well, but it is, it is funny, Ryan too, between, I mean, I've been doing this for 35 years and it's right. been amazing. The changes of what's available, even from general practitioners. I mean, the amount of specialized care and equipment we can bring to clients versus 30 years ago is, right. is phenomenal. But, uh, you know, people's expectations are fairly high sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's true. Yeah. We just had a dog, uh, it was $8,000. It was done at UC Davis had a, um, I forget the Latin term, um, had a, a liver shunt, but the one that's internal in the liver where they, they, right. They go in and they sort of the reverse of uh, opening up a heart attack or a stroke. They they go in and seal it up with the coils, and um, right. you know that's a level of of surgery. That's I mean, that's you know that's well that's the well, same thing. Yeah, I mean, that's and apparently they were like two stroke or three centers people, do yeah. that version of it. Yeah. You know? They're like two or three people yeah, in, that, in that California. That requires a surgeon that doesn't drink beer for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, that that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are, are there such a? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Right. Right. Yes. And that, that, so, so what Mark's saying there is also kids, if, if, if you want to be an alcoholic, but maintain a, a high income level, forget being a doctor, tell your parents you want to be a veterinarian. Is that what you're, you're saying? Yeah. And, and possibly a radiologist. So you, know, you can do whatever <laughs> right. you want. <laughs> there you go. Or a gas all, right. all right. All right. But, um, all right. Well, fantastic. So, I mean, there we go. I think some useful information for people about fleas, um, some specific discussion of products and, and things that you can do. Some insight as to cost and, uh, and some insight into the vet profession and the difficulties in getting more people, um, to either become veterinarians or, uh, vet assistants. But, you know, Hey, uh, you and talk, I, I guess if I could, a yeah. couple of closing remarks as Tell far me. as how to deal with the current situation. Oh, hold on. We got a, a giant motorcycle going by here in lovely Sierra Madre. We are talking to you with the, that's a, that's a rowdy town. I mean, we all windows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Sam, the, 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 um, the windows are open. The Mongols, uh, motorcycle gang is just down, <laughs> down the street. Um, but, uh, he actually does just down the street is a, a paper mill factory, but of course it's closed, but Sierra Madre is weird about that. There's these weird little old industrial buildings around town. It's very strange. Yeah, that town has changed quite a bit over the last millennia. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And your yeah. closing comments, Mark? Yes, or? your closing comments. I'm sorry, we're getting diverged. Well, some suggestions as far as to deal with the shortage. I mean, one is 
by all means, establish a, a, a relationship with a veterinarian, preferably before you need it, because um, existing clients are always going to be placed above new clients that have more serious time-consuming problems. Let me just interrupt. This is Mark giving specific advice to you folks out there in podcast land, how you can mitigate your um, possible problems uh, getting into a vet. So, okay, yeah, get a relationship with a vet, prepare. Establish a relationship Mm -hmm. and, and be on good terms with a veterinarian prior to really needing them. I think also have some alternatives as far as um, uh, veterinarians, as far as who might be available. I think right. um, we see clients from down in the uh, um, more central Los Angeles area that have us as a backup when their veterinarian can't see them. Right. And um, because the demand in our situation is a little less than down there. Right. I think also, you know, uh, be nice to the people on the phone because they are by and large overwhelmed and underpaid and overstressed. So um, I think they're trying to do the best they can and, and uh, sugar works wonders where salt does not. So mm-hmm. um, I think you just appreciate that the profession is somewhat overwhelmed right now and, and try and be as, as, as nice about it as you can. Yeah. And, and be prepared to drive, maybe uh, go somewhere uh, further yeah. away because yeah, I could absolutely see that. I mean, I, I guess this could be our closing thing. You could maybe talk about, uh, or we could just briefly mention, like I can imagine purely hypothetical. You just made me think of this. Like if you're in West LA, a lot of people out there, a lot of pets, a lot of, um, people that need care. But like I knew a vet, uh, who had well, anyway, he told me the rent on their clinic on Wilshire Boulevard in the city of Santa Monica was $20,000 a month. There's not going to be right. that many mom and pop clinics when that's what rent is in that area. No. Right. Right. So maybe if you start looking out a little bit further away and maybe, yeah, set up a relationship with a vet that's a little more out in the suburbs or or somewhere and, um, you know, it'll be worth the uh, the drive or the Uber or whatever it happens to be. But, you know, yeah, if, do, your, do your due diligence before you really need it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's right. That's right. Because there are less and less mom and pop vets in the more urbanized parts of uh, Southern California. Well, I the, see that. Yeah, yeah. In the metropolitan areas, Ryan, it, they may have enough doctors, but they, they're having exceedingly difficult time to get enough staff because right. of the, the high cost of the area. People yeah. just want to go do things that pay a lot better so they can survive down there. That's right. And I'll hopefully date our podcast. Hopefully people listening to this six months from now will uh, be like, what? Uh, but with the high price of gas, too, because if you got to sit in traffic yeah. for an hour and a half to get to your job and burn 20 bucks worth of gas, you're not going to you know, want to be making $20 an hour. You're going to want to make a lot more than that. So absolutely right. understandable. All right. Well, Mark, hey, that was fantastic. Thanks for um, coming on. Any Last words to say to Sam, who is um, checking out over here. He's 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 texting away on his phone. He's totally ignoring you. He's given up. Anything? Well, you- he's he's just such a brilliant guy. He's got to go on to other bigger topics. Like I think probably right now, it's probably world ending world hunger. I think he's on so, Wikipedia looking up what yeah. a suffocant is because uh, we 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 caught him on that one. That's right. No, I think you know just the plug for why we're all um, interested in it as far as the free animal doctor. I think that is something people can definitely look at if they have a serious traumatic problem with their animal and, and uh, the concern about the economics, the, you know, Ryan and, and what's his name, uh, do, uh, (laughs) do an amazing job of trying to garner financial support for people in need as far as their animals. So 
I think that is something that people listening to the podcast think about either keeping in your back pocket for use or possibly supporting because the supporters are greatly appreciated. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you for saying that. And that's that's the thing. Even if you're, you know, because I have people say this to me, it's like, well, if somebody needs help paying for their vet bills, are they going to be somebody that donates? And that's one of the things about crowdfunding. Crowdfunding isn't necessarily, I mean, we're happy to have you donate $1,000, but crowdfunding's whole idea is that a lot of people donate a little. And, you know, um, somebody who maybe needed help paying for a $4,000 procedure for their dog six months later can make a $10 donation, right? So, um, yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. And, and, um, that is a good note to end on. A little and, and, plug and, for and now Sam's going to ruin this. No, no, no. I'm just going to say this and to, to pay pay it forward, as they say, um, both Ryan and I and Free Animal Doctor, Ryan and I personally and Free Animal Doctor have taken dogs to Sweetwater and have had well, Bob, Bob great success there. So, what was that uh, commercial? I'll give you, I'll a little give you a, drive uh, to the country. I'll give you a yeah. plug there, my friend. What was that, <laughs> what was that commercial? I, I'm both a. Uh, the owner and a client or whatever. It was like a commercial for hair plugs or for something yeah, exactly. back in yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. All the dogs that need hair plugs come to Sweetwater Bath. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's right. Doggy Vi- Viagra yeah. was actually yeah. right. the, the bringing back the Beatles cut for you. Old that's right. No, no, it's, 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 um, uh, it's not the nicest drive to get out to Santa Clarita, but once oh, you're out on. to Santa Clarita, and you go the extra like 10 miles there. It's actually not bad. The 14 freeway is nice and wide open. And then um, you can always stop at Vasquez Rocks. It's right there. It's a, it's a. My, my old joke. It, it's, it's yeah. Dulce is a, the Versailles of Southern California. Why is that a joke? <laughs> That's it. With, with lots of sharp rocks. Yeah. Yeah. People, yeah, people, yeah. people, people, kings and queens come to summer there. I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Agua Dulce, sweet water, which is the. Um, uh, Spanish or Latin world's way of saying freshwater, uh, right? Yes, that's, that's what that that means. There must have been a spring out there or something, and that have, went to, have got I told name. you the reason it's called Sweetwater, Ryan? I, I would assume because it, it there's a spring, yeah, but they, are you going to good good water? Yeah, that's what I think. No, the reason is the reason the water tastes sweet is it's got a low level of arsenic in it. Oh, <laughs> so it uh, <laughs> it adds a sweetness to the water. So most people out here have filtered water. Ah. So that explains when I come out, you guys always handed me tap water, right? Yeah, we handed him some dirty brown water out of the tap. Let's see if we can kill him now. <laughs> the, yeah. the arsenic in the water. Wow. Well, you know, we, we... Not enough to kill you, but I mean enough to give the water a slight sweet taste. Huh. 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 Okay. And I don't know if arsenic is cumulative. And, and it's... I think arsenic is one of those things you can build a tolerance, tolerance to, to yeah. but I, 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 I don't we, know. We digress. We digress. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, Mark from Sweetwater... Thanks for being on. Ms. And Williams, um, thank we you. hope thank to you bring you back and for, talk about other topics. On my soap opera. Yeah, soapbox. And um, well, soapbox. Have, we'll have a soap opera from our soapboxes. <laughs> and if there's anybody out there listening in um, the world that has some sort of topic or idea you'd like to hear a vet pontificate on, email info at freeanimaldoctor.org. Don't contact Mark Williams directly. Um, uh, with your complaints about his uh, opinions on the vet Unless, shortage. of course, you're going to be a future client. Yeah, let that. us know. Info at Free Animal Doctor, in all seriousness, uh, if you have any topics, and we'll try to drag him back on here and maybe address some of them if you let us know what they are. How's that sound, Mark? I like it. All right, very good. Thank you, sir. Be good. All right, we'll talk to you, gentlemen. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So that was Dr. Mark Williams of Sweetwater Veterinary Clinic in 
Sweetwater. Is the town actually Sweetwater, Sam? No, it's Agua Dulce. Agua Dulce. So, yeah, so you've got to use the Spanish there. Agua Dulce. Spell that for us, Sam. A-Q-U-A. I think it's G. A-G-U-A. D-U-L-C-E. Agua Dulce. Two words. Really? It's a G, not a Q? I think it's a G. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, Agua Dulce, uh, California, which, again, is um, on the 14 freeway between Palmdale and Santa Clarita. And we are here in lovely Sierra Madre, where the breeze is starting to blow in. It's starting to cool down a little bit. Where the women are beautiful and the men are handsome. Where the women are beautiful and the men are handsome. I... I I no comment. How about that? <laughs> it's, it's a street sign. I mean, there are no inter- guarantees inter- if inter- you come inter- to Sierra Madre. Sierra Madre. Where, where was that? Where's that from? Where the women are? It's actually what's this guy's name? Key, um, the um, what's the guy's name? Key, not Kelton Kilson, the radio guy who did. Um, oh gosh, the radio guy who did something. Yeah, he he had a radio program, the Pure Prairie League or whatever it is. Oh, that's right. Prairie Home uh, Companion, Prairie Home Companion yeah. on NPR, Ken, Garrison Keeler. That's him. I said And Kenton, he yeah. would always say, welcome to wherever it was. Well, the, whatever town it is, it where is, the men are smart and the women are handsome or something, or something like, like that. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh, if we're doing a podcast, we should actually know one of the more successful radio programs of the uh, um, 20th century into the 21st. But uh, we don't because that's the quality. <laughs> but we've, we've figured it out, though. Well, that's the level of production value we bring to this. We are prepared. We have deep, extensive notes and we have a producer. And also none of those things are true. Not not a single one of them. <laughs> yes. That's right. Um, but we are happy to have you here. I hope you enjoyed our interview with uh, Dr. Mark Williams. And we would love to have him and some other doctors back on. And we will. And so, again, send us your questions, topics, whatever it is for the doctor and we can get it from an actual licensed veterinarian as opposed to me and Sam just saying, well, I think this one's good or telling yeah. you our experience. Um, right, and, if, and if you're hearing this, yeah. I want to thank you for listening all the way through. Yeah, that's true. It was a long one today. Um, but, uh, you know, how often do we manage to rope a vet in and get his uh, free time on, on the radio on a Friday before Memorial Day? <laughs> He's because, probably off to the beach or something. <laughs> yeah, we're recording this uh, Friday um, afternoon uh, before Memorial Day. So you'll be hearing this um, probably uh, just before or after Memorial Day. But in any case, I hope you had a good one. And anything else going on in the city of Sierra Madre to talk about? Free no, animal no, doctor? No, no. Just get those animals spayed and neutered. And if you need a place to go, we will be doing it every Sunday in June. Go to clinic on our website. Follow us on ye old Facebook, Instagram. Sam? Yes. What? No, anything else? No, no. I'm sorry. I, I was... Uh dozing off yeah I'll, yeah I'll, yeah I'll, it's friday afternoon here on a, on a three-day yeah. weekend upcoming and we don't have a spay and neuter clinic so sam gets to take uh, the weekend off <laughs> yes so we'll call that a wrap um from the city of sierra madre saying goodbye i'm ryan boyd i'm sam bernardo have a nice weekend that's a nice right holiday that's right say good night sam good night sam